Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. We do want to welcome those that are watching online or perhaps you're listening on our podcast. Hope Covenant, would you put your hands together for our online listeners and viewers? We consider you an extension and a part of this church. And so I want to encourage you, if you're ever in the Charlotte area, to stop on by. We'll make you feel right at home. Won't we, Hope Covenant Church? Awesome. I want everybody to stand to your feet this morning. I believe that we're going to enter into a word of the Lord and encounter for you. How many of you know that the word of the Lord does not return void? Um, this is an amazing thing. It fills us up. And I believe the Lord has a, a prophetic word for you this morning. And if you're feeling tired and you're feeling exhausted and you're feeling worn out, you came to the right place because that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. And so I just thank you, Lord, with every hand raised. Lord, I thank you as we open up our ears and as we open up our hearts, Lord, that we would not just um, we would not just hear your word, but Lord, that we would apply it and that it would forever change us. We thank you for this encounter with you this morning, that this would not be my voice, but your voice that's heard. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that today is a game changing day. It's a day where we're turning the page and entering into a new chapter of a divine appointment that you have for us. If you believe that, would you shout amen? You guys can be seated. Today, I want to talk about God's plan for rest. Notice not my plan or your plan for rest, but God's plan. What does God have to say about rest? How many of you would say just even in this week that you've encountered where you really could use a rest? Anybody in here? You need a rest. You need a break. Okay, that's every hand in here. That's 100% of you. You came to the right place. I'm excited about this. I, uh, I believe that there is some things that we need to do and make a priority, and rest is one of them. We know that on the seventh day in Genesis, after God created the heavens and the earth, on the seventh day, there is the Sabbath where he rested. And it says in his word that we're to keep the Sabbath holy. Uh, oftentimes, we look at our schedules and our priorities, and we don't keep that as holy as we should. Now, this again, this is not targeted at you to bring condemnation, but let it bring conviction that we need to prioritize some things and make some changes to really see God be able to move where we can hear his voice. We're going to talk about that today. So I want, I want to start today by saying this, that the choices I make will determine the person I will become. Everybody say that with me. Let's read that together. The choices I make will determine the person I will become. You will become the person based on the choices that you make. I want to discuss the choice of following God's plan for rest today. I want to discuss how you use your time and how you pace yourself. I've been looking at this all week in my personal life as Liz and I have been through a turbulent couple of weeks losing her father and before that we had a miscarriage and before that we lost her brother and it's just felt like a, a weird year to us where we can't catch a break. It kind of, how many of you have ever been in front of the fire hydrant of life where it feels like this is constantly pouring out at you and you're like, how do I turn this thing off? Yeah, you can't turn that off. Just so you know, I want to give you a word of knowledge. You can't turn that off. 
But what you can do is press into Jesus when it's coming at you. And how many of you know there's the shield of protection? And so you need to take up the shield when it's coming at you and go, I declare the presence of the Lord in this moment. I declare it's going to break and it's going to stop. I'm hitting pause right now and I command my spirit to rest. Some of you are so tired, you're probably planning your nap for tomorrow. <laughs> that's, that's how tired you might be this morning. A lot of you may feel like you're constantly running on empty and that in and of itself can wear you out. When you wake up and you feel like you're exhausted before the day ever started. I have a bad habit of, I, I love coffee. Anybody love coffee? That's not the bad habit I'm talking about, by the way. In Jesus' name, I just rebuke that. Anybody would think that's what I was talking about. But I have a bad habit of making coffee and then sitting it down and getting distracted with things that I need to do. And by the time I come back, every mom in here is like, uh-huh. It's cold, right? And then you buy the little ember cup if you're like super bougie about your coffee. And it's supposed to keep it hot or you have a Yeti and you put it in there. But even still, I can get so distracted that I, I don't even drink that and take those. So to this week, I decided I'm going to drink my coffee and I'm not even going to look at my phone. I'm not going to let anything happen. I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to spend time in the presence of the Lord because I'm not letting anything distract me. Anybody ever, ever be there before? Now, I want to encourage you at the start of your day that how you start your day is so important. And I want to encourage you, if you're in here and you're not starting it in the presence of the Lord with some coffee, okay? Just want to be clear about that. The tactics are important with some coffee or whatever your poison is. And wake up in the morning and just say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you that it sets the tone for the rest of the day. And make a decision, not Fox News, not MSNBC, not CNN, none of that. Just the presence of the Lord. That's it. Because I immediately grab for the remote a lot of times when I wake up in the morning because I want to know what's going on. And listen, it's good to be on top of current events. It's good to be on top of what's happening. But how many of you know what's happening is in the presence of the Lord that we need to tap into above all else? And that will set the tone. And it will bring you peace when you get into his presence. If you're not experiencing peace, you're not in his presence. Wow, that's good. When you are in his presence, it's a guarantee. It's um, just like the MyPillow guy. It's 100% satisfactory. You're going to get it. It's, gonna, it's a guarantee. You can know right now. And by the way, if you get into the presence in the next 10 minutes, it's, it, there is, I'm going to give you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the MyPillow guy cracks me up. Mike Lindell, isn't that his name? Yeah. That guy cracks me up. I love him. <laughs> so the choices I make will determine the person that I become. You cannot give what you do not have, which is why it's important to get into the presence of the Lord. Because if I don't begin to marinate, and you'll notice this is our message here at Hope Covenant every week. Somehow it ties in to get into God's presence. But why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When you get into his presence, there's a lightheartedness that comes. I remember just a couple months ago when we saw the little, because this was a cold winter, believe it or not, here in, in the great North Carolina. I remember when we experienced the first like spring day and I walked outside and it was like, the hills are alive with the sound of music. And my day was awesome and I loved it. And every day should be like that, no matter what the weather or the temperature outside. When you get into his presence, the hills are alive with the sound of Jesus. 
And I want to encourage you with that sound of music inspirational this morning that in his presence, his burden is light. If you don't pull over and refuel, you will end up on the side of the highway stuck. And so I want to encourage you as we're taking notes and as we're looking at this and allowing God to speak to us that we're prioritizing his rest, resting in even in the natural. Go home and take a nap at pastor's orders. Go home and just take a nap. You go, yeah, okay, easy for you to say you don't have kids. Listen, train the kids. Mom's napping. Dad's napping. Right now, I'm closing the door. This is what we're doing in Jesus' name, okay? You're going to nap too. You go, okay, you've never parented before. That's awesome. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, you need to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it. I believe that many of you feel stuck in life, stuck spiritually, stuck emotionally. And much of that is a result of not prioritizing a place where you can get refreshed. And I want to encourage you to bring order to these things. The choices we make, they determine the outcome. For many of you, more is going out of your physical and your emotional tank than what you're putting in. And what, when that happens, you end up with a deficit and there's a problem that we all have to address that only you can address for you. I can't address this for you. You've got to make the decision. Now, I want to tie into this, this prophetic thing here, and let's look at Acts 3, if you have your Bibles. We're going to look at verses 1 to 6, Acts 3, 1 to 6, and one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon, and now a man who was lame from birth was being carried out of the temple gate called Beautiful. You guys remember this. We've read this story before, where he was put every day to beg from those in the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as John did, and then Peter said, look at us. In other words, give me eye contact right now. And so the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, everybody say, what I do have, what I, do have. I give. Okay. In the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, walk. In other words, I can't give you what I don't have, but I can give you what I do have. So that makes it legal, what we were just discussing there. You can't give what you don't have, but you can give what you do have, which is why it's important that we all carry the presence of the Lord from the onset of every day so that we can give what we do have. So you see, this is missional. This is not just about you. This is about others, that when I get into the presence of the Lord, I can become contagious with this presence that I carry and affect those that are with me or around me. So when you're on E and you're not living in his presence, you're on empty. You have an empty tank. It will affect those that are around you. So when you're constantly walking around saying, I'm tired, and you're declaring that your ears, by the way, are hearing your declaration, and there's power of life and death in the tongue, you're constantly declaring you're exhausted. You're, How are you? I'm, I'm exhausted. It's just been a busy week. You know what? Every week is going to be busy, and every week is going to be exhausting. What are we doing to change that? That's the question. Peter says, what I do have, I give. Today, I want to give you three warnings and then three solutions that I believe scripture tells us about rest. 
Let's look at the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel has 12 chapters, and six out of those chapters have history, and six out of these, these books in Daniel, uh, out of the 12, are prophetic. So six historical and six prophetic, and that's really odd. Uh, I want to talk about this grouping in, in Scripture and talk about how this, this, this prophetically correlates. And, and so track with me, if you would, a minute. I want to teach you some things that, um, that, that are here in the Word. You'll notice that if you look at the Bible, it's not chronological. Chronological. So if you've ever read Genesis to Revelation and you, the order doesn't make sense to you, it's because it's not chronological. It's not in year order there. Okay? The Bible is grouped in types of books. So there are poetry books that are together. There's law books that are together. There's prophecy books that are together. There's history books together. The, the, the Bible is compiled in groups of books that, that are in those categories. Just so you understand how the Bible is written. That's why when you read through, like I said, the, the one-year thing, uh, sometimes, and they try to make sense of how they compile the one-year thing, but sometimes if you're not reading a specific plan that lays that out, it can get a little confusing. So, but when you have this book of Daniel where, where half is, is history and half is prophecy, I believe that that was downright intentional for a prophetic reason. I believe that what God is communicating is that much of history is prophecy. And there's revelation in that, that much of history is prophecy. And let me, let me explain to you what I mean here. I believe that what we're reading about, or what we're about to read in Daniel is it's a prophetic warning for us. You remember the story of the hand that wrote on the wall? The, and I'm, we're going to read it now in Daniel 5, verse 1 to 7. King Belshazzar, that's a nice name, gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in gold and silver goblets that King Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this was a time period where the nation of Israel was in exile. The Israelites were kidnapped and brought into slavery in Babylon, which is, by the way, modern-day Iraq, for 70 years. And they were warned earlier by God that this would happen if they ignored God. Now, I want to pause right there. I want to warn you that we don't want to ignore the Lord when it comes to this situation of rest. This is not something to skip over and go, yeah, 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 pastor, that's great, but I, I got this. I Really, I got my schedule. No, no, no. This is, this is, I believe, a commission from God for each of us today. Now, the king of Babylon said, let's bring the stuff that we stole from the Israelites and let's party. Notice the callousness here. So that king... So that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the God of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now here's what we're going to cover that we talked about last week. These were things that were mined or produced. It represents human effort. Remember, we talked about that last week when we were talking about a spirit of mammon, doing things in our own strength, which, by the way, will always lead to exhaustion when we do things in our strength. They were mocking God and praising their own efforts of what they had accomplished. And I believe this is a caution to us that we don't get caught up in our own efforts and doing things in our own strength. I want to warn you even about when you think you've heard something from the Lord and you've asked God for a confirmation and he's not confirmed it and you just do it anyway. Be careful of that. You got to know that you know that you know that you know that you're hearing from God. 
Because if you're making a wrong turn because you didn't hear from God and you're doing this in your own effort, I promise you, you're going to get tired. It's not a good thing. So I believe this passage is, this is prophetic. Uh, this, this passage that the handwriting on the wall for us, even today, I believe that God is trying to get our attention. So I want to read this. Verse 5. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal place. The king watched as the hand wrote. Okay, so I just went over all this stuff that was going on in their own efforts, and this hand appears. In other words, this got God's attention, and now he's trying to get their attention. And I, I've pictured this many times, this finger that was like, writing on the wall. Like, is this, was this like an Adam's family thing? Like, da 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 like what was going on in that moment what was that like this this hand that was writing these words and i want to study this because i believe this is very prophetic suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster on the wall near the lampstand in the royal place the king watched as the hand wrote his face turned pale and he was frightened so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking the king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Notice, he immediately goes to counterfeit. Counterfeit prophecy. Immediately to try to interpret what's going on right now. I want to encourage you that in the day that we're living in, you're going to see this more and more and more and more. People that don't understand what's going on in the times that we're living in. And they go to psychics. And they go to all these readings. And that's not weird. But then when the Lord starts to prophesy and move at a church, we go, that's strange. Why is it that the demonic is, is not strange, but we bring God into the picture and it's like, I don't know about this. Because many of the times, the things that are spoken in prophecy by the Lord bring a truth that we don't want to hear in that moment. And we go, well, I, that's demonic. Well, that's in the Bible too, that good will be called bad and bad will be called good in the end times. So be careful about this because here at this church, we are trying to bring truth by what scripture says directly interpreted. What is God prophetically saying right now? And in the end days that we're living in, I promise you the exhaustion is going to get cranked up. It's a tactic of the enemy to wear you out that you're no good to do the things that you need to do right now. And that, by the way, includes your secular career and the things that God's called you to where the provision and the blessing of God to enable you to do the kingdom work is attacked. The enemy will hit you wherever he can, and he will try to find the soft spot where you're not protected and under the presence of the Lord. He will try to find that and target that deliberately to try to take you out. He's there to rob, kill, and destroy. And he will do whatever he can. And trust me, he knows your weaknesses. He's watching. So is God, though. So is God. So is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's come to rescue and deliver and save and bring us comfort and rest. And in this day and in this moment, I don't want to be anywhere else. But in the center of his presence where I'm refreshed daily. I just said to you a couple weeks ago that I believe that in order for us to get to revival and an awakening, we need the refreshing of God that we can even recognize what his presence looks like. Which is why I encourage you to establish a daily habit that Sunday is not your only lifeline of the presence of the Lord, but that it's a daily practice where you are meditating on his word day and night, by the way, which his word says to do. So this handwriting on the wall 
I believe is, is even a prophetic sign for us today. I believe that God is trying to get our attention right now. I believe there's handwriting that's on the wall right now that God is writing for each of us. And he, I believe he's trying to establish this, not just in your mind, but on the tablet of your heart. Some of you are pushing way too hard and you've been doing it for way too long. You're smiling on the outside, but you're tired and you're burnt out and you're emotionally exhausted. You're physically exhausted and you come in here week after week after week and that never changes. So again, I want to give you three warnings and then three solutions that I believe are, are God things for us. I read a study that we're working harder now than ever before. Statistics say that people work an average of 8.6 hours a day, seven days a week. Everybody say bad, bad, bad. 8.6 hours a day, seven days a week, the average American works. What happened to the seventh day? Listen, if God did it on the seventh day, are we better than God? Do we have more strength than God? I'll answer that for you. No. Absolutely not. On the seventh day, he rested. You want to work six days, that's fine. Remember back in the old days and, and, and when there were ice cream trucks going up and down the road, old school, and I'll, I'll, I don't know, I'm not going to give a year because I'm not trying to, anybody was the, in that day, whatever, but remember when it was you work Monday through Friday? Yeah. yeah. And then you have Saturday and Sunday off, remember that novelty? And it's like, those days are gone. But listen, let's keep the seventh day. Let's keep that day holy. A day of rest. A day where ain't nobody going to bother me. This is just, and listen, I know you come to church on Sundays. That's cool. But when you get home, rest. Don't go right into work, 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 work. You will burn yourself out because scripture says don't do that. 62% of Americans consider themselves burnout. By the way, that's the majority. So I know that I'm talking to six out of 10 people in this room based on those statistics. Can you see how one of the tactics of the, of the enemy, again, were you out, especially in this time? It was recommended to the king of Babylon to bring in this Jewish guy, Daniel, to interpret the, white, the writing that was written on the wall. We weased the secret weapon, the writing that was on the wall, the writing that was on the wall. This verse is referring to God right here in Daniel 5. Verse 24 to 26, therefore he, God, sent the hand that wrote that inscription. This is the inscription that was written, mene, mene, tikal, parson. And here are what these words mean. Again, Daniel was brought in to interpret this, and this is what we're going to focus on. Mene means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. How many of you know that God established the amount of days? Our, our days are numbered and ordered of the Lord. Okay. I don't understand that you go, well, can you explain to me why this person, it seemed, went a little early? I can't explain that. You, I, we're going to all have those questions for God one day, and it will, they'll be answered one day. But here on this side, it's called faith. When you just walk out your walk with the Lord, and you don't need the answers, Liz and I have been surrendering to that right now in our lives, especially in this season of loss, going, Lord, we don't understand, but we trust your ways, and we know that our days are numbered in order of you, and even for those that we love. We don't understand it, but we're going to trust you. Amen? So let me get to the first warning here that we need to remember that our days are numbered. That's that word, mene. God has numbered our days. 
The Bible says if we're not careful, we can get into the trap like Job describes in Job 9.25. My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. Can I make a, a recommendation that we take a pause in life to experience the joy of exactly what's happening that's ordained for today? Your kids will never be the age that they are right now in this day. You will never be the age that you are right now in this day. As much as you might hate what you see and all the wrinkles in the mirror, I've got a great encouraging word for you. They are only going to get more. Okay? So let's enjoy today, today. Okay? And stop hating. And, and stop trying to press through to something better. Let's take today, today, because that's scriptural. Losing joy is a symptom of burnout. If you are not waking up and experiencing the joy of the Lord, you probably are experiencing a symptom of being burnout, and you need to check that. You need to put a check on that. It's a warning. Psalms 39, verse 4 to 5, Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Like that. And if you understand kingdom timing versus earthly timing, you understand eternity is it's unfathomable how long eternity has. Let's say that you live to be 105. You've lived a really long life here on earth. That's but a breath. Daniel 5.27 in the NIV, this word tekel or tekel, I'm not sure how to say it. But you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. So, so tekel means weighed. The second warning is let's make sure that my life or your life is in balance. We got to keep it in balance. We need to remember how easy it is for our lives to get out of balance. In other words, work, 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 and no play. Not good. Not good. Work hard, play hard. Now, I want to encourage you with that because in this day, we need to make sure that's a priority. Let me give you some fun facts of the average American of our lives. We will eat out, and I think Liz and I probably have trumped this number, 20,436 times during the average American's life. That's how many times you'll eat out. 20,436. That's the average American. Liz, Liz we're not average, okay? This homeboy doesn't cook. And homegirl doesn't have time to cook. Ten years of the average American's life is spent watching TV. Ten years is spent watching TV. Think about that. Nine and a half years of the average American's life is spent on the phone. Five years of the average American's life will be spent waiting in lines. How many of you just love that? So think about it. When I'm waiting in line and I'm not enjoying this moment, five years of my life, do I really want to not enjoy the moment? Let, you know, make a call. I'm mean, up that nine and a half years. Make a call while you're in line. I love this one. One year of your life will be spent looking for misplaced items. In my case, that's five years of my life. I promise you. And they came out with the tile and the little apple thing that's, you know, it looks like the little mark of the beast that you're supposed to put on your keys and find them, like, so they could track you everywhere. It's like, that doesn't even help me because I'm staring at my phone and I go, I, I still don't know where it is. I still, I, 
But listen, here's, here's the even more mind-boggling, mind-blowing uh, statistic here is that over 25% of your life were the statistics that I just gave you. That's over 25% of your life. Daniel 5 verse 28, Parson, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Parson means divided. So the third warning, make sure that we're not living a divided life. Make sure you're not living a divided life. We need to remember that mismanaged, a mismanaged life, a divided life, will always cost us something. We can end up going through life and missing out on the most important moments, focusing on, on work and missing out on family, living to provide and not enjoying life. That last sentence right there describes me to a T. Living to provide and not enjoying life. I'm an achiever. I've been accused of being an overachiever many times. And you know it's true. And I used to go, that's me, with a big old prideful smile. Until the Lord goes, yeah, but you know what? I don't want you to be an achiever. I just want you to be in my presence. I like the fact that you have goals. I, yeah, I, I wired you that way. I like the fact that you achieve. But when that takes precedent over enjoying life, and life is just going by, it's but a vapor, and I'm not pausing to enjoy the presence of the Lord and those that are around me, the community, which, by the way, God destined us all for community. We have a problem. We end up missing out on life. A godly life is a life that's in order. Jesus said this in Luke 21, verse 34, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Which, by the way, is easy to happen. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Those are the very words of Jesus. Can I read that again? Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Life is but a breath. Life is short. Before you know it, it's going to be over. And that's what that verse Jesus is warning us about. So I recommend that you have a day off and you don't skip that. We need rest. Hebrews 4, verses 9 11 there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his, that seventh day that we talked about. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Let me pause right there. So the Bible is telling us that when we don't rest and take the seventh day and keep it holy, we're in disobedience. Ouch. That's what I said. Ouch. I said, Father, forgive me for I knew not what I was overachieving. That'll preach. So we need to work harder at making sure that we rest. Now, I want to give you God's plan. These three solutions for all of this. Number one is divert daily, and I'll explain that. Every day we need to honor God, divert to him, divert to the voice of the Lord, devote to his word and prayer, communication with God where we find this rest. Spending time with God brings us refreshing. We need to do this and take one day at a time. I want to say this about, again, being a visionary. How many of you in this room would dub yourself, you'd say, I'm a visionary. I'm always looking to the future. I'm looking ahead. Yeah, a lot of you. When you're a visionary and when you're a prophetic person that can see into the future, the trouble is turning it off and focusing on today. That is all. There's the biggest challenge and the biggest discipline about prophetic visionaries. 
And by the way, visionaries are prophetic because you're looking into the future and saying, God, what do you want to do ahead that I need to plan now for? And that's a good thing. I celebrate that. That's a godly thing. I'm a visionary, always looking to the future, drawing out the five-year plan. How many of you know when you make a five-year plan, at the end of five years, it will never look exactly how you tailored it? Little, little revelatory word of knowledge for every one of you. Why is that? Because we make our plans, but God brings the ordination to our steps. So there are times where I think I'm supposed to go left and God says, uh-uh, go right. There are times where I think I'm supposed to work and God goes, uh-uh, you need to rest. There are times where I think I'm going to rest and God says, no, I need you to do this and I'm going to show you when I need you to rest. But he does guarantee this. The seventh day, Okay, we need to make that a priority and make that a habit. We need to do that and not skip that. Matthew 6, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. One day at a time. Feed your spirit daily with God's presence. Read the word and pray daily. Here are some some statistics of people who read the Bible. Those who read the Bible three days a week it has little to no effect when you just read it three days a week. That's a, that's a Barna statistic right there. Check this out, though. Those who read their Bible four days or more a week, feelings of loneliness go down by 33%. Just that fourth day makes a big difference. I've told you before that repetition is revelation. That's why it's important that you get into the regular practice of scripture reading and prayer. Check this out. Those who read their Bible four days or more per week, feelings of bitterness and unforgiveness go down 40%. Again, these are Barna statistics. If you want to look them up, they're there. For those who read the word four days or more per week, feelings of sexual lust and temptation go down by 60%. That is the generation that needs the word of God. Amen? Uh, Let me reword that. I need the word of God. Let's personify this. Let's wear the shoes today. I need the word of God. The word of God changes us. It changes us. It's the only book that literally can change you daily and give you revelation like none other. I want to encourage you to put on some worship music. Get an atmosphere where you can enter into the presence of God and into a place of peace and rest. Because that's not just about the Sabbath day. That's every day that we're supposed to be at peace and be at rest. I want to encourage you. Once you've entered into God's presence, you can then begin to plan your day. Don't plan your day before you're in the presence. Because Holy Spirit will speak to you about things that you can have now a supernatural plan. A supernatural ordination of what he wants you to do and when he wants you to do it. So number one. Divert daily. In other words, our reliance is on him. We're going to divert to you, Jesus. Number two is withdraw weekly. Keep the Sabbath holy. Exodus 20, verse 9 to 10. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day dedicated to me and take a rest. Rest your body. Take a nap. Recharge your soul. The Jewish tradition is eat good and hang out with good life-giving people. In other words, fellowship and Hang out and eat. Let's go, let's go to lunch after church. Let's do this. Spend time with God. Number three, and I'm going to end here, 
is abandoned annually. Guys, this is so important that you go on a vacation where you can turn the cell phone off, have time with your spouse, have time with your family, make memories and make sure you're planning this out. If you don't plan for it, it won't happen. Liz and I have been saying all year, we're going to go on vacation. We're going to go on vacation. We're going to go on vacation. Well, this week she looked at me and goes, what's the plan for our vacation? (laughs) How many of you know what Liz is saying is I'm going on vacation with or without you. I'm going. That's what she was saying. I love that, though, because what she was saying is if we don't plan this, if we don't make this a priority, it's not going to happen. And I know that, babe. And this year, I'm going on vacation. Turn the cell phone off, Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. So when we rest and we recharge, we are literally sharper and we can accomplish more. It's if, this, if the batteries in this microphone go out, I need to get fresh batteries and put them in this microphone so that it'll function. It's common sense. It's a wireless mic. It needs it. Guys, we need to make sure that we got fresh batteries. And the only way to do it is to follow Scripture's plan. Jesus gives in his, an invitation. I'm going to end here as the music is playing. He says, if you're tired and you're worn out, if so, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 29 Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Can I read that last sentence? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Man, I just want to lay out maybe it's in your backyard in the sun on a lounge chair and lay out in the presence of God and go Lord just bake me give me that Holy Ghost tan right here and so I want to encourage you with every eye closed his yoke is easy and his burden is light is basically that verse in other versions that if you're overwhelmed and you have anxiety and you, your, your heart starts racing when you just think about the rest of the day, some of you are sitting in here right now and your brain is going, man, here's all the things I got to do when I get out of church. Can I encourage you? Let's keep the Sabbath holy and let's rest in the presence of God right now. Let's just turn off. This is just you and God. And I break all anxiety and all feelings of being overwhelmed and every attack of the enemy, every mind game that the devil would try to play that would overwhelm us. We take authority over our thoughts. And God, today we make a decision that we're going to keep the Sabbath holy and we're going to rest in your presence. And you know what? It can wait till tomorrow. We're going to do this today. We're going we're to make sure we establish the practice of keep this holy, this rest. And Father, I thank you that you're refreshing every person in here that you're filling us up. You don't want us to leave a life, uh, live a life overwhelmed. You want us to live a life filled with your presence, filled with your rest and charged with your spirit. And so, Father, I ask that for every person in here today, Lord, that you would charge us with your spirit as we rest in you. And you know what? Just while you're here in your seats, if you've been that person that's like, go, go, go. I did it this week up in this booth while I was planning this message. I said, Lord, I just want to repent. I want to ask for you to forgive me for not prioritizing 
keeping your Sabbath day holy. And I just want to encourage you that if you would just repent, he forgives us of the sin of overachieving. He washes us of it, and he'll even fill you up based on that. So I want to just encourage you, if you've not been doing that, just to repent right now for overworking, for being a workaholic. How many of you know we're not workaholics? We're children of the King. Resting under the presence and the life of Holy Spirit that speaks to us and fills us up. Lord, I thank you for filling us up in the mighty name of Jesus for your peace. And I thank you, Lord, that we would accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished this week as we take a rest today in Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you shout amen? amen. Listen, I believe there's an anointing on that. I know it was a simple message. I wanted to give you a simple message today, but if you apply it, it'll make a difference. Next week, I want to encourage you guys with this. Uh, invite somebody to come next week. I believe I've got a, another message on choices that will really impact uh, some that need to hear. If you know somebody who's overwhelmed, somebody who's been distant from the Lord, I want to encourage you to bring them next week. Um, we're going to have a uh, call at the end, and I believe it's going to be powerful. Just maybe pray about just bringing one person. It's not that hard. Just one person that God would place in your heart that needs to encounter Him. This is about lives changed, and we want to make a difference. Amen? Lord, I just thank you for the best week ever. Lord, that we would accomplish your purposes like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe that, would just shout amen. amen. You guys are dismissed. Thank you guys so much. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.